The scripture reading for this afternoon will be taken from three places. First of all, Malachi 3, verses 1 to 7, and then 4, verses 1 to 6, and finally, John 1, the verses 19 to 28. You'll be able to find Malachi 3, the first of our readings, on page 1104 of your pew Bible. Pardon me, on page 1106. Malachi 3, the verses 1 to 7. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver so that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. And I will come near you for judgment. I'll be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien because they do not fear him, says the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now we'll move ahead to Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike them with a curse. Now, Malachi, being the last prophet, was followed by about 400 years of silence in which the cry, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, came up from the people of Israel. But now we move forward and see the reason there is for the people to have, uh, for the people to be responded to, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. We can see this in John chapter 1, the verses 19 to 28 where the first stirrings of this coming is spoken of. John chapter 1, the verses 19 to 28, which you'll be able to find on page 1220. 
Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who is coming at It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. So far, the word of God. The passage which we will be focusing on in particular, the text for this morning is taken from Malachi 3, chapter 1, the first of our readings, and we read there, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's December now. And as the Christmas season approaches, the stores are now all filled with songs. Holiday jingles have become so familiar to the store clerks and those stocking shelves and running the tills that it's just become background noise for them. But there is a purpose to all of these holiday jingles. All of the music that's played, all of those jingles that start as soon as Remembrance Day has gone by, or in some cases, as soon as the Halloween decorations are down, all of them have a purpose. This music that we hear in the stores here in Owen Sound is meant to get people to begin thinking ahead to Christmas. The idea behind the stores getting people to think ahead, of course, is so that they'll begin buying gifts. Red Thursday. Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales scream at shoppers everywhere to get in while the getting's good, to purchase gifts for people at a deep discount, to prepare for the day when they will be spending family time together and share in the giving of gifts. This music, you might say, is in some small way a forerunner of the upcoming holiday season. The first tones of Jingle Bells and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer are announcing the retail season for these stores. They are meant to get you into the mood so that you will come into their stores and spend money. Well, today, in our passage, we see a similar looking ahead. But this is a much better looking ahead. We hear of one who is coming, one who will be a forerunner as well, announcing the coming of someone else. The one who will prepare the way for the one who is named the messenger of the covenant. 
the one who elsewhere we see in Scripture is the prophesied Messiah of Israel. Today we'll look at this person, the coming messenger, and we'll look and examine how he is announced under the following theme and points. We'll see, first of all, the coming messenger as he is coming as foretold, second, coming in the power of Elijah, and third, coming to prepare the way. So as we open our passage today, we read those words, those opening words. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. So who was this forerunner that the Lord would send to his people? My messenger in Hebrew is Malachi. This is a play on the name of the prophet himself, Malachi. Behold, I send my messenger would have been in Hebrew for the people who are listening to this passage. Behold, I send Malachi. But Malachi makes it clear as he's prophesying that the person being called to uh, to spread this news that is coming ahead will not be Malachi himself. It was not Malachi speaking in the third person. And he goes on to expand on that in chapter 4 of his passage. Malachi himself speaks of this messenger by describing him as Elijah. We read in Malachi 4 verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. This messenger was one to whom Malachi looked ahead. So, on reflecting on that, we ask ourselves, What's the reason for his name? Why is he named Malachi, my messenger? Well, if you look at the way that the Lord himself had chosen Malachi, he had taken this man and placed him on the road to bring his word to the people of Israel for a specific, a very specific reason. You see, the Lord had chosen Malachi the prophet, as the last prophet before there would be 400 years of silence. Prophet after prophet had come to the people, and prophet after prophet had met with rejection. Certainly, some may have had time, uh, some may have had success for a time, but the nation of Israel itself fell into apostasy time and time again. And so the Lord sent this final prophet, named my messenger. And this was to put in the minds of the people without a doubt that they were to listen to him. He was not just a man who was bringing his own words. He was a man with a mission. He was a man, as we read in 2 Peter 1, verse 21, who spoke from God as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit. But more than that, The fact that Malachi shared the office, shared the title of my messenger, 
with the messenger who is coming meant that the people were called to see a direct link between Malachi himself and this prophecy that he was making and the coming messenger, the one who was described as the coming Elijah. There was no question about it. When this next prophet came, calling people to repentance, he would be it. He would be the last prophet. He would be that messenger. This is what the people who were living in the days of John the Baptist were waiting for. Century after century had gone by, and they were thinking back, and they were remembering these final words spoken by the last of God's messengers to his people. And so, they were keeping their eyes open, their ears open, and many of them were still faithfully preparing their hearts for the coming of this messenger. Consider how incredible this is for a moment, beloved. 400 years of silence. And now a man bursts into the scene. A man who brings the word of the Lord. A man who is preaching a theme of repentance for the people. Turning their hearts back to the Lord. The hearts of the children to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to their children. Families coming back in repentance towards the Lord. Being baptized with the baptism of repentance. 400 years later, and John the Baptist has come as fulfilling this prophecy. That's quite a spread of time. But to God, it doesn't matter because he said it, and so it will come to pass. You can be sure that the same is true for God's other promises as well. If God says it, he's faithful, and he'll do as he has promised. Now it's at this point that some of you sharper catechism students may have noticed something. Wait a moment, you might say. Didn't you just say that the messenger would be called Elijah the prophet? Now, yes, in John 1, the passage that we just read, that talks about John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord. Now, sure, it does talk about him baptizing people with the baptism of repentance, and that lines up with Malachi 3 and 4, speaking of this coming repentance. Their repentance under John, the repentance of these vast crowds of families of covenant faithfulness returning to the Lord. This, this seems to be the fulfillment of that prophecy. But don't I remember John in this very same passage saying that he was not Elijah? If you are that catechism student, I'm impressed. You're on point there. Yes, in the Gospel of John, we read about how John the Baptist is preparing the way of the Lord, but we do notice in John 1 verse 19 and following that the Jews sent priests and Levites to Jerusalem to examine him, trying to figure out who he was. And it says he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. Then they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? He said, I'm not Elijah. 
Are you the prophet? He answered, no. They said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? They want to take a message back to those chief priests, back to the, le- uh, the leaders, the spiritual leaders, the Levites in Jerusalem. And he says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. You see, the people in John's day, they weren't blind. They were very familiar with these prophecies. And so when they see somebody coming in the way that John is coming and they hear him preaching so eloquently and they see, uh, they, they see vast crowds of people repenting and converting, then they want to know who he is. They want to see if he is the fulfillment of prophecy. The people know that his coming to preach in this way is significant. They've been waiting for years and years for this next prophet. The one who would be the one that God called my messenger, linked to the prophet Malachi. The one whose very presence would be the fulfillment of Malachi's words. Because he would be the signal that God was once again coming to work in Israel in power. But John says he's not Elijah. So what's happening here? Well, as we saw, many of the Jews in John's day were indeed expecting a forerunner. They knew a prophet would come before the Messiah. Called here the messenger of the covenant in our passage in Malachi. But because of Malachi's prophecy, they were expecting a literal Elijah to come. When they asked John the Baptist, are you Elijah? They weren't saying, are you somebody who is coming in the same way that Elijah came to figuratively fulfill this prophecy, as a figure to fulfill this prophecy of Elijah? No, instead they were literally asking him, are you the prophet Elijah who lived about 800 years ago and is now back from the dead? Are you the one who spoke against the wicked king Ahab? Are you the one who faced off against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel? If you understand that that is what they were asking, then it makes a lot of sense that John the Baptist would respond saying, No, no, I'm not Elijah. Now, John the Baptist chose not to point back to Malachi. Rather than getting into a theological debate about who this coming Elijah would be, he instead chose to point to the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah, using language very similar to that of Malachi, he spoke to this very same person, of this very same person who would be a forerunner. This person, he said, would prepare the way for the Lord. He was doing the exact same thing as a messenger who's prophesied about by Malachi because he was that prophet. But he was leaving it up to the people who were hearing to connect the dots. John the Baptist wasn't literally Elijah back from the dead any more than he was literally Malachi because of the Lord's choice to use that word as a play on both the name Malachi and the the title, My Messenger. 
but he was following in the footsteps of Elijah. At this point, a fair question would be to ask, but how can you be sure that that is what Malachi meant? Because it is clear that the Jews themselves, they were expecting Elijah himself. They were expecting that man come back from the dead. Well, let's go back to Luke chapter 1 for a moment, where the angel of the Lord is announcing the birth of John the Baptist. Let's open to Luke chapter 1. Read verse 11 and following. So here we have uh, the priest Zechariah, and he's busy offering, uh, presenting offerings on behalf of the people in the temple. And we see in verse 11 and following, as the multitude is outside and they're praying at the hour of incense, so the hour in which the prayers are uh, offered up to the Lord, that Zacharias is carrying out his task, and then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So here we see a miraculous birth. We won't get into uh, the circumstances around it so much, but we see a miraculous birth prophesied, a son who is coming. And then we'll skip ahead to verse 16 for a moment and hear the description by the angel of that son. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So yes, as he had responded to the people who were sent to question him, he was not Elijah in the flesh. He's not a resurrected version of that prophet. But he is still coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He's a forerunner with the same gifts of preaching that Elijah had. And the Lord will work powerfully through his preaching by the spirit to prepare the way for the next one who is coming. Yes, John wasn't just the prophesied Elijah coming to turn the people in repentance to the Lord. His task was broader than that. He was coming to prepare the way. Like a herald running before a king shouting, Make way! Make way for the king! Or like a messenger who ran to the cities before the great caravans that followed and accompanied the king in pomp and splendor, making sure that the lords and the nobles there would be ready to receive him in a way that's fitting for one who held that office of the king. So he went forward. But for whom was he being that forerunner, that herald, that messenger? For whom was he coming to prepare the way? Well, if we look back to Malachi, the prophecy of Malachi, we see, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. 
Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Yes, the Lord of hosts himself, Yahweh, the covenant God of the people of Israel, the one who established his relationship with them, would come. And he would come following in the footsteps of this forerunner, John the Baptist, who came to proclaim the coming of his kingdom. God himself would come to earth. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. The covenant was the promise of God to his people that he would be their God and they would be his chosen people, that he would establish a relationship with them, that he would watch watch over them, and that they would worship and love and obey him, following him with their heart, soul, and mind. There was another messenger coming, the messenger of the covenant, the one who's equated with the Lord of hosts himself. And he would be the one who is bearing the message of a new covenant. A covenant that is sealed by his very own blood. This is what John the Baptist was preparing the way for. He was pricking the hearts of the people, moving their consciences to repent to weep over their sins, to have their hearts break that they had betrayed God by their disobedience. But he wasn't just doing it to make them feel bad or to make them turn away even from their sin. He was doing it with a purpose. By calling the people to repentance, he was preparing their hearts for the one who would be coming who had the power to forgive Beloved, today we're in the Advent season. And the Advent season refers to the weeks that lead up to Christmas in which people have the opportunity to reflect on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are not only days of Christmas music and presents. Rather, these are days in which we, just as the Israelites in John the Baptist's day, have the opportunity to come before God in repentance and examine our hearts. But we do not examine our hearts and come before God in repentance as those who are waiting in suspense. We come before the Lord preparing our hearts as those who are looking backwards. This afternoon, we'll see how that plays out with the celebration of the Lord's Supper. John the Baptist, as messenger of the Lord, issued a call to repentance for the people, but he himself, like all of the prophets and the messengers of the Lord who came before him, he could not give forgiveness. John's preaching and John's baptisms could only point repentant hearts in another direction. It could only point to show that they did have repentant hearts. And there was a people there that had a desire for cleansing. But this baptism itself could not cleanse. 
all they could do was point forward to the one who would come. But today we are looking as those who gaze on the one who has come. We come in repentance, yes, but we know that we don't wait to stand forgiven because Jesus Christ has come. And he offers the free gift of forgiveness of sins, of salvation to whoever repents from their sin, turns from it, hates it, and by God's grace comes to Jesus Christ to be washed completely clean. Let us especially remember this as we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper again this afternoon. And let's praise God that not only does He call us to repentance, not only does He equip us with the ability to turn in repentance and faith in the first place by the power of His Spirit, but He also does truly wash us clean. He does wash us clean. We don't bear the weight of all of our sins of years gone by. But in him we stand as purified before the holy throne of grace once again. Through him, you who believe stand freely and fully forgiven. Amen.